Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I am excited to jump into part two, um, but I'm probably more excited um, for next week uh, than I am for anything else. Uh, as you already heard um, today, we are uh, regathering here on site starting next week, and uh, we're asking for you to register. You can actually do that right now. Registrations are open for next week. You can go um, on the Church Center app, go on the website and do that. Uh, reserve your spot and uh, make sure you uh, register your kids as well uh, for the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock service. Uh, if you need help with that, reach out to us um, during the week this week. Give us a call here at the office so we can help you with that. Um, but as you've already heard, we started this series last week, uh, Fresh Start, uh, because it's the, it's the beginning of a new year and we're thinking about we're planning, we're implementing a fresh start in some arena or area um, of our life. And if you, um, if this is your first time with us um, online, or maybe you didn't have a chance to catch up um, in part one, I kind of want to do a little bit of a review and then we'll jump in um, to part two for today. We actually started with a caution um, about something um, whenever it comes to starting fresh. Something I think we'd all agree with. I think most of us would agree with this, but it's not as intuitive. Uh, and the caution was this. Um, a fresh start doesn't guarantee a favorable future. A fresh start doesn't guarantee a favorable future. Just because you begin again, um, just because you change jobs, just because you change careers, just because you change boyfriends, or just because you change girlfriends, just because you change marriage, just because you left 2020, doesn't guarantee that you'll have a favorable future. Doesn't guarantee that next time is going to be any different than last time. And I think the, the, the events in our nation's capital this week point to that reality. For, for some of us, you know, we're, we're thinking 2021, it's going to be completely different. Well, a fresh start, a new year doesn't guarantee a favorable future. And, and so we talked about reflection. That was the word from last week. Reflection, going back to the past, thinking back, reflecting back, which we're not very good at as a culture. We're just not. We, we want to move on. We want to get to the next thing. We want to forget the past and just get on to the next thing. But looking back and reflecting is the first step to having or to getting a fresh start in the future, specifically looking back and reflecting on our individual personal piece of the past and owning that, taking responsibility for our piece of the past. If we want to make a fresh start next time, we need to own our piece of the past from last time. So that was, that was last week. Today we're going to talk about, we're going to dive into what I think is the most common error uh, when it comes to making a fresh start, no matter what arena, um, and it, you, you get to pick the arena, right? It could be uh, finances, it could be health, uh, it could be career, it could be a relationship, it could be, um, it could be a really huge, significant thing, like life-changing fresh start, or it could just be this little, small, insignificant um, fresh start. But if we're not aware of this error, our fresh start is doomed from the very beginning. And I know that sounds ominous. I know that sounds extreme. I know that kind of sounds like preacher talk a little bit. But I, I honestly believe if we don't get this one thing right, our, our fresh start is doomed from the very beginning. We've got to address this. So if you have a Bible or a mobile device, I want you to find uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's the first um, of the, the stories and the accounts of Jesus' life and ministry in the New Testament. 
Um, open up to Matthew chapter 7. That's where we're going to be. Um, if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to church, maybe you're coming back after being gone from a long time, I just want to remind you that, that Jesus is the centerpiece of all of Scripture. Um, he, he is the unique Son of God who came to this earth to provide us the opportunity, which I love this about this series, to provide us the opportunity of a fresh start. All of us, regardless of our past, regardless of what we've done, regardless of what we haven't done, regardless of what we failed to do, regardless of what's happened to us, Jesus came to give us all a fresh start. And, and Jesus came into this world um, for, 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 for that reason. And in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, uh, we read some of Jesus' most famous teachings. We know of it as the Sermon on the Mount. Um, he teaches all sorts of things that essentially um, take different arenas, different areas of our life, the, and, and the way that we think that they work, the way that we think they're supposed to go, and he turns them upside down. He just flips it on its head. We actually did a series through the Sermon on the Mount um, last year called Upside Down Kingdom because that's what Jesus does in Matthew 5 through 7. He takes his, his values, the values for his kingdom, and he takes our values and just turns them upside down. That's, that's what the Sermon on the Mount is. And what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount really pushed, um, it really challenged um, what his audience had always believed about life and relationships and money and, and religion and prayer and who God was. It just, it just challenged and pushed on that. He, he contrasted it in a really unique way. Um, he, he essentially says to this mainly Jewish audience that had heard these things their entire lives, he said, okay, you've heard it said this way, but I say this. You've heard it said, but I say this. And he did it with so many things. Here are a few examples. He said, um, you've heard it said that you shouldn't murder, but I say, don't hate your brother in your heart because that's basically the same thing as murder. Like, I don't, I don't want you just monitoring your behavior. That's not enough. I want you to monitor the thoughts behind the behavior. That was one. Um, he said, uh, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say, don't look at anybody that's not your spouse with lust in your heart, because that's the same thing as committing adultery in your heart. And they all went, really? And Jesus said, yep, I'm just going to keep going. You've heard it said, you shouldn't break any oaths. But I say, you shouldn't swear any oaths to God, to other people, and he talks about why that is. We're actually going to go through a series here in about a month or so. We're going to actually look at that and, and see how Jesus is contrasting something that comes from the Old Testament. Um, here's a really common one. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. Somebody steals from you or hurts you, get back from them what they've taken from you. But I say, if someone steals your shirt, you should give them your coat too. And it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> it's like, Jesus, you, you want me to be generous to people who have stolen from me? Yep. And if you think that's extreme, you've heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy, which is really the mentality of what happened in Washington, D.C. this week. I'm, I'm going to love the people who look like and think like and vote like me, but I'm going to hate everybody else. And Jesus comes along and says, You've heard that your entire life. You've thought that your entire life. You've thought that's the right way. But I say, no. I say, love your enemy and pray for those 
who persecute you. And that first century Jewish audience thought the same thing that you and I think when we hear this, when we read the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. They, they thought, that's really extreme. That's like, that's really hard, Jesus. That, that's so, that's so countercultural. That's so counter everything we've always been taught and always thought. How in the world does that actually work, Jesus? And Jesus doesn't explain how it works. He just kind of lays it out there. And then he concludes with, with one final thought. He uses a word picture um, that if you grew up in church, if you grew up in Sunday school, you learned this on flannel board, on flannel graph. Maybe you even know the song that goes along with this passage. Here's what he says at the end of this, this extreme, upside-down, countercultural teaching. Here's what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, all this stuff that I've been teaching, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He, he, he says, hearing and listening, that's all great. I'm, I'm glad you guys came to my little, you know, first century TED talk. And I've, you, I'm really glad you didn't get up in the middle of it and walk out. But hearing it, listening to it, if that's all you do, it doesn't do you any good. It's no good if all you do is listen. We'll come back to it in a minute, but he uses the word, the, the Greek word poieo, poieo. And the reason I point this out is because it's not the common Greek word for practicing something or trying something. This word is more like embodying something, personifying something. He's saying, don't just be a listener, be a doer, somebody who acts on or who, who embodies what I just taught, which is exactly what a lot of people do with the words of Jesus. We, we go, but Jesus, I, I kind of just want to listen and factor in my own personality and, you know, my dislikes, my likes, and my culture and the things that I've always thought. And, and like, I might try some of the stuff every now and then, but I, I don't really want to, like, do it. If, I, I got to figure out if I agree with it first. And Jesus says, in, in, this, in, in this little word picture, Jesus says, no, actually Yoda was right. It's, it's do or do not. There is no try. Right? If you, if you want to be like the wise man, do what I just taught. Because there's actually benefits of doing and, and being wise. Verse 25, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation, there's our word for the day, its foundation on the rock. In, in other words, the foundation was the key to surviving the storm. The foundation was the key to surviving um, adversity. And it's obviously a metaphor, Right? If you want your marriage, if you want your finances, if you want your career, whatever arena of your life, if you want that to weather the storms, if you want it to survive the storms of life, if you want to make a fresh start, you have to have the right foundation. It's all about the foundation. And then he contrasts the wise man with the foolish man. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, does not embody them, does not personify them, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Now, pause. This is, this is just a side note, um, but I, I don't know if you're like me, but when I, I've always read this and I've always thought of this 
like the wise man and the foolish man were two different guys. Like I, I, I picture a beach house and one of them is strong and is still standing. And then the other one's just a pile of rubble. And I think that's the wise man and this is the foolish man. But if I'm honest, if you're honest, isn't it true that there are seasons and environments and contexts in which sometimes you're the wise man and sometimes you're the foolish man? Like, isn't it true? Like, I'm kind of both of them, depending on the context. Maybe, maybe they're the same person in different seasons. Maybe the wise man learned last time what not to do. So this time was different. I don't know. So, so Jesus, you're saying if I don't listen and I don't embody what you say, I'm like a fool who built my house on the sand. Nobody does that. And Jesus says, yeah, a lot of people do that. And again, it's a metaphor. But a lot of people, plenty of people do that. There are plenty of people who listen to truth. There are plenty of people who listen to what I say, but never act, and they pay the price. Verse 27, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Some of you were alive then, some of you weren't, uh, but some of you remember Hurricane Andrew from 1992. Hurricane Andrew was one of only five hurricanes, um, uh, category five hurricanes, that have made landfall as a category five hurricane in the United States. And I was recently reading an article um, about all of the things that um, people learned, that, that, that leaders learned from Hurricane Andrew to prepare for the next Category 5 hurricane that would, that would hit the United States, which I think was Michael in 2018. But they, they learned last time what to do for next time. And, and the article talked about some of the homes in Miami. And the, the, I'm talking like million-dollar homes in Miami that were completely, completely blown away. And, and you got to remember, it, this is a big big hurricane. Hurricane Andrew was huge. You can see it there, uh, state of Florida to the left. The path is headed straight towards Miami. And this thing leveled entire neighborhoods, as in completely gone, just reduced to rubble. Um, there were people who built these really high dollar homes on the coast. Here's another picture. And again, many of them were reduced to rubble. You can see the ones there in the middle. Those were actually built to code. And all the rest of them around were not. Like Miami-Dade County has some of the strictest codes for building because they're in hurricane country. And then, this is so interesting to me, on the north side of Miami, Habitat for Humanity built 14 homes that were relatively unscathed while the houses around them were destroyed. Here's a picture of that. You can see the five homes with the five um, white uh, roofs there and all in the group. Those are Habitat for Humanity homes, and the rest of it just looks like a war zone. And there's, all throughout, all throughout Miami, this, this happened. And the question is, the question is, with, with one of the most strict building codes in all of America, like, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when, the next hurricane comes, right? It, it, the, the people who had millions of dollars to build a home, it's not like they were strapped for cash. How in the world does that happen? Here's how it happened. People actually paid the inspectors to look the other way. 
They paid inspectors to look the other way so they didn't have to build their home up to code, not realizing they were actually building their house on sand. Jesus, nobody really builds their house on sand. This isn't even a metaphor. This is real life. And see, a strong foundation is the difference between surviving adversity, surviving and weathering the storm, and experiencing a total loss. It's the foundation. And, and I don't, again, I don't know this, but I, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm guessing, some of us might need a fresh start in some arena of our life because we weren't able to weather the storms of 2020. Whatever that was, COVID, schools going online, church going online, your health, somebody you love, the election cycle, whatever it was, something crashed in your life. And you realized, I don't know if my foundation was as strong enough as it should have been. Okay, nothing wrong with that. But the question is, what are you going to do next time? So next time isn't like last time. What are you going to do? What are you doing right now? What are you learning from that? Because it's the most common error when it comes to making a fresh start. People try to make a fresh start next time by building on the same foundation as last time. It's, it's the person, and, and you may know somebody like this, it's the person who goes from relationship to relationship to relationship looking for the one, and it crashes over and over and over again. Why? Because the names change, the faces change, the environment changes, but the foundation, the way that they approach relationships, the, the thinking behind it, the values behind it, the assumptions behind it, they expect next time to be different than last time. But if you have the same foundation as last time, next time is not going to be any different. It's going to be the same thing. That's what Jesus is teaching here. If you want to survive the storm, if you want to survive the weather, you want to weather those things that come in life, and they're going to come. They always do. Where's the foundation? Who is the foundation? And then Jesus' brother, James, comes along, and, and he just weighs in on this. We talked about this last summer. This is James chapter 1, uh, verse 22. James says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. He uses the same word Jesus used, poieo. He says, there's listeners and doers, that's it. There's no in between. There's no in between. You're, you're either a hearer or a doer. And the difference between those two is whether or not you choose to deceive yourself. That word that he uses, deceive, it literally means you cheat yourself with false reasoning. And here's how that looks. You, you say things like, well, my situation's unique, Tim. <laughs> I, I, I hear what you're saying, and that, that applies to everybody else, but my situation is unique. Have you ever heard anybody say something like that? Or, or that doesn't apply to me. Like the Bible was written so long ago and in a culture that wasn't anything like ours. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't really apply to me. Here's another one I've heard. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> no. You don't. You've, you've done the same thing five times before. That's how I know. You don't know what you're doing. We, we deceive ourselves with false 
reasoning. Um, remember the myth we talked about last week that experience makes you wiser? Actually, no. Experience just makes you older. It's evaluated experience that makes you wiser. And the more experience you have going in the wrong direction proves that you're actually foolish. If you go in the same direction over and over and over and have the same thing happen over and over and over, you are building your life on the wrong thing. And it's no longer just a metaphor, is it? It's real life. It's real people. It's real relationship because you continue to build your life, your marriage, your health, your finances, your relationship on the same foundation and experience the same results. If all you do is listen to the word and don't do it what it says, you are deceiving yourself. And, and I don't know if he's trying to one-up his brother, but James brings in a different metaphor. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, some of you have, have a mirror in your bathroom that show, shows you everything, right? Like the big mirror isn't good enough for you. You got to have the small surgical mirror, right? And the reason you have that, the reason you have that is not because you want to, to like look at your nose hairs or see the depths of your pores. It's not because you enjoy seeing yourself at 10 times the magnification. That is not why you have that mirror. The reason you have that mirror is because you want to do something about it. You want to do something about the yikes that you see in the mirror, right? That's what James is saying. That anybody who listens to this word but doesn't do anything is like a person who looks into one of those mirrors and decides to walk away without doing anything about the yikes they see in the mirror. Who does that? Maybe you did that this morning because you get to come to church in your PJs, but we would really appreciate it if next week you did something about the yikes. Right? We've got, we've got potions. We've got lotions. We've got masks. We've got treatments. We've got techniques, surgeries, all kinds of things to deal with the yikes that we see in the mirror. Why? Why? <laughs> because to ignore what you see in the mirror is to ignore the truth. It's to ignore reality. The mirror doesn't lie, does it? Especially the one that magnifies everything by 10. And, and, and when you think about last time, wasn't that kind of the problem? You ignored reality. You ignored truth. You knew the truth. But knowing the truth and doing something about it is not the same. You knew it. You just didn't do it. And, and here's what happens. Here's what happens if you do put it into practice. This is the contrast from the one who looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he says. He does nothing. Verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law. The perfect law is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. James is saying, whoever looks intently at my brother that gives Freedom. Isn't that what Jesus came to give us? That gives freedom and continues in it 
not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, people who find freedom in the perfect law of Jesus, by building their life on the words and authority of Jesus, those people will be blessed in what they do. So James says, so let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. (laughs) Do you want to experience God's blessing in your life? Like, do you want God to bless your career, your finances, your marriage, the relationships with your kids? You don't have to send me any money. I know it looks like I'm a televangelist right now, but that is not what you have to do, okay? You don't have to do that. God's blessing, God's blessing comes when you look intently at Jesus. You keep your eyes focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the author and authority of life. You keep your eyes focused on him like looking in a yikes mirror because he doesn't lie. Jesus doesn't lie. The truth of Jesus doesn't lie. And in that mirror, that perfect truth of Jesus, we find freedom from our past and blessing for our future. That's that's the definition of a fresh start. Freedom from your past and blessing in our future. That's why Jesus came. And that's what he offers us. Which, which just brings us back to what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew 7, 28 again. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. They were amazed not at his style of teaching, not even really his insight, not his stories, his illustrations, not not even really his words. They were amazed by his authority. He, he, He spoke with and had authority. And that's what they were amazed by. Remember how he began? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. You should underline those two words, circle them, highlight them, of mine. See, it's not about the words. It's, it's not about, um, it's not about the, the, the order of the words. It's about the source of the words, the source of the power that helps us to poyeo the words. The author of those words is the author of life. He's the one with authority when it comes to life. So here's my question. This is where we're going to land. Who? Who is the authority in your life? Like, who's the ultimate authority in your life? When, when you think about this, this little throne in your heart, like, go there right now. There's a little throne in your heart. Who sits on that throne? Who makes the decisions? about your marriage, about your career, about your relationships, about your finances, about your future, how you treat other people, what you do when mom and dad aren't around. Who's the authority? Who sits on the throne of your heart? Because whoever that is, by default, is the foundation you've built your life on. That's your foundation. And is that foundation solid enough to withstand the storms of life? Is it solid enough to keep you from crashing when the storms of life come? Who does your fresh start depend on? Is it you? 
Is it your experience? Is it your reasoning? Is it your ability? Is it your intuition? Is it your ability to figure out? And, and if, if you want to be the authority, that's great. You can, you can depend on you. But just remember, when the storm comes, when the rain falls and your foundation doesn't hold, you at least need to be honest enough to admit you aren't solid enough for you to depend on. <laughs> you just aren't. We just aren't. Because we're not the authority of life. We're not the author and perfecter of our faith. You say, well, Tim, nothing's crashed yet. Everything's okay so far. I've been solid enough to depend on. That's fair. But if you're going to depend on you, the responsibility for outcomes depends on you. The responsibility and for, is, is, is it's you, it's your reasoning, it's your wisdom, it's, it's your intuition. And James, the brother of Jesus, who didn't believe his brother was the Messiah until after the resurrection. James, the brother of Jesus, says, you're deceiving yourself. If you think your reasoning, your wisdom, your ability is, is solid enough, and there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a more solid foundation than you. Because not only does my brother want to redeem and rescue your past, he wants to bless your future. He has more for you, for your marriage, your career, your finances, your family, your relationships, what happens on the inside and what happens on the outside. But that only happens if you build the foundation of your life on him, the perfect law. That's the invitation. That's the invitation. Not simply um, to, to, to trust Jesus with your eternity. That's easy. It's easy because we don't have any control over when we die and what happens to us after we die. So, so yeah, absolutely trust him with your eternity, but also trust him with your reality. You're here and now. That's the invitation because you do have a little bit of control over that here and now. Eternity is easy to trust him with, but what about your marriage? <laughs> what about your, your bank account? What about your future? What about your kids? D don't be, don't be the person who builds their house on sand. Don't be the person who looks in the mirror and walks away and doesn't do anything with what they saw. Be the person who chooses to build on the better foundation, who chooses to do, to poyeo, what Jesus says, and then watch as he redeems your past and blesses your future. That is what it looks like to build the foundation for your fresh start on Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I, I want to pray for somebody or some somebodies watching today who, if they're honest, they, they, they love the worship. They love the, the teaching of Jesus. They love hearing the words. They love hearing the stories. But they stop short of actually doing what they hear of actually building their lives on you as their foundation. And God, I pray that there would be a whole bunch of people, and maybe not just today, maybe in the, the days and the weeks to come, 
that would spend the time necessary to put a stake in the ground where they would say from today forward, I'm going to build my life on the truth of Jesus. I'm going to choose to trust in the authority of Jesus because he came to save me from my past and he endured the cross to ensure a blessing for my future. And so I will build my life on him. I will build my life on the foundation of his perfect truth. God, would you work in such a way, and there's, there's no words that I can say. There's nothing we can put on the screen. There's no song we can sing. Would you, through your spirit, work in individual hearts and lives so that their foundation is solidly set on you. And I ask it, I pray it in his name, in Jesus' name.